Welcome to Spritz and Scrums, a podcast by three Benetton fans with a love for Aperol and all things Rugby Italiano. After a difficult first half, Italy smashed through with a respectable scoreline against Uruguay, setting us up for a winner-takes-all match against the All Blacks. Welcome back. Buongiorno. How are we doing, coach? Good. Lots of rugby. Mm-hmm. Lots of beer. Mm-hmm. It's a good time to be alive. <laughs> it is. It's a lovely time to be in Rome. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, I imagine. Spritz on the piazzas. The weather forecast wasn't meant to be the best. It was a bad weather forecast, but actually, what do they know? Nothing. Glorious sunshine, spritzes for winners, travelled round. It was ideal, lovely sort of late 20s, kind of September weather, you know. Good. Visited some Irish pubs. You like an Irish pub, don't you? I do. Tell a lot about the city by its Irish pub. How were they? There's a lot of them in Rome, did you know? (laughs) There's loads in Rome. For those of you that don't know, Ellie and I went to Rome to visit her family, watched the rugby there, and um, we were getting passive-aggressive messages off Coach, who was in Birmingham, not in Rome. And um, he to be was fair, very angry. he did not know that we were going to Rome. We actually forgot to mention that we were going to Rome. So when he realised that we were going to Rome, the response we got was, "You what now?" Yeah. Now I know what Kevin felt like in Home Alone. well i promise we'll never do that again you're you're always invited you're always welcome um (laughs) my parents missed you well that's good to know um it's always good to see those but but you know i couldn't be there you were busy were you busy no i wasn't i was free as a bird i had nothing better to do Free as a seagull. Yeah. Well, I promise we won't do that again. He's very upset. We've got to cheer him up. So um, let's, let's talk about some rugby. Let's talk about some little rugby. Let's gloss over uh, that we we didn't take coach on our trip. Right. Let's crack on because there has been rugby while we've been away. Yes, there has. So we're going to try something new, which we haven't done before. We've been talking before about how we aren't sure we're still developing and coming up with the best ways to analyze games and talk about the games that make sense to listeners who have seen the games or haven't seen the games or have seen the games multiple times and how to make everyone happy so we've come up with an idea at the beginning of us talking about a game we're going to quickly do a 80 minutes in two minutes segment or a 80 minuti in due minuti so Italy, Uruguay. Eddie, we'll hand over to you. That's the sound of me just getting the BBC Sport app, which is obviously incorrect because it still doesn't know that Ignacio is not Brex's surname. Dickhead. <laughs> Typical BBC Sport. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> the Otanta Minuti and Due Minuti is mostly done from memory. So please go easy on me. The game starts. Italy start strong with Lorenzo Pani going over for a try very early on within the first 10 minutes. But then things start to stagnate. Nothing really happens for a while. Italy are a bit on 
edge. But then, lo and behold, disaster. Italy keep trying to attack from their own 22, and Lamaro throws a wide pass that really isn't on. It's intercepted, and Italy have to crawl back towards their own try line as quickly as they can. That leads to defensive effort, with Nicola Canoni getting yellow card for sealing off the ball on the floor on the try line. A cynical play, potentially. But then immediately afterwards, Danilo Faschetti is done a yellow card for collapsing a mall going over the line. That's a yellow card and a penalty try to Uruguay, leaving Italy with 13 men. Italy then had to defend with 13 men. Uruguay scored again and then finished with a drop goal, going in 17-7. That's the first half. Italy come out 17-7. Things starting to look better. Italy are up to 15 men. In this half, Uruguay got a yellow card for 10 minutes, which meant they had 14 players for 10 minutes. This is so difficult. <laughs> First of all, in the second half, Lamaro crashes over for a try. Next up, Montiglione cuts through a beautiful inside line to go under the posts for a try. Then Lorenzo Canone goes over on the edge for a try, followed by Brex cutting through towards the centre for the fifth Italian try of the game. Uh, there was also a penalty towards the end taken by Garbisi. Garbisi also had a crack later on at a drop goal, which didn't work, but it was a very brave attempt. That meant that Italy, despite going in 17-7 at halftime, finished 38-17, winning the second half a whopping 31-0. Boom. Beating Uruguay by better than France beat Uruguay and getting the try bonus point that France didn't get against Uruguay. Very difficult to do that. Well not, the, done, not, not, not what they did. Very difficult to do what I did. What Italy did. <laughs> yeah, some people say that's difficult. Bonus point, playing better than France, blah, blah, blah. But actually trying to compress it into one minute without it scripted and Two just minutes. doing it from memory. No, you did very well. Very well. I would say that was pretty much bang on. Yeah, I couldn't remember exactly when the Uruguay yellow card came, who scored within that yellow card. I think it was pretty early on. I think it was, it was the first... very early on in the second half. I think it might have been the first two tries. I think it might have been the uh, Lamaro and Ione tries. But hey. Top of the group. Italy were top of the group. Bang on. Well, Italy were top of the group. And then obviously. After France... two games played by everyone, top yeah. of the group. And important to note that Italy got a bonus point against Uruguay and France didn't manage to get a bonus point against Uruguay and points may be important. Indeed. They might. They may. And it sets up what is effectively a round of 16 Italy-New Zealand game this Friday on ITV. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> Do you work for them? <laughs> For in Italy, it's on Sky. Or Rai. I think Rai is doing it as well. So, that, yeah, it's good. But if New Zealand lose that, and I can't emphasise this enough, no matter what bloody Mac Australian knobhead says, all right? <laughs> it's Irish. On... Mac Hansen, the, I yeah. the island is he? Is he Irish? Whatever that Australian knob says, when he just like <laughs> blasé throws out there, they're like, G'day, mate. Yeah, well, you know, after this, we'll be playing a quarter final against either New Zealand or France. You might not be playing New Zealand or France, mate. I get that some people have to predict that, and that's part of the game. But you as a professional shouldn't be so disrespectful that you say that in an interview. Damn right? straight. Yeah, because agreed. If, it, if Italy beat New Zealand, New Zealand are out. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And they know that. Aaron Smith knows that. Aaron Smith gave an interview and he was like, we have to treat this is now knockout rugby. It is. If New Zealand beat Italy, Italy aren't out. Italy have no. another crack of the whip. How cool is that? Well, Dupont might not be in the French team. 
So maybe. Well, he definitely won't against Italy. And I didn't I, I didn't want to say on the socials, like obviously well, wishing him the best and can't wait for him to come back. But also secretly, we're all very happy that he won't be around for the Italy game. Yeah, we can't be affording ourselves with personal tragedy like this. <laughs> I think you said that the wrong way around, Italy. What do you mean? <laughs> You're like, secretly, we don't want him to be in the team. Not secretly. We hope he <laughs> hope the surgery doesn't go well. And we never see him again. <laughs> Is that what I said? I, <laughs> I, didn't, mean that. I didn't mean that. Secretly, no. Openly and, and secretly, I want him to come back as, as healthy and strong and wonderful for the rest of the, the, the World Cup. But if he's out for Italy, secretly, that's only good news for us. It's not really a secret, though, is it? I mean, obviously, we don't want anyone to get injured. Obviously, it's a tragedy for the World Cup if their captain's not playing. But obviously, the team's playing against France. We're very happy to see the back of Dupont. It's like the Welsh fans were basically high-fiving strangers on the night bus when the Fijian <laughs> fly-half Caleb Muntz couldn't play. You yeah. know, sucks for the tournament, but that's life, I'm afraid. You know, it doesn't make you a bad sport. I'm not a bad per. I'm not a fucking bad person. All right, I was sad for Entomac. I was genuinely sad, and I saw him in his mansion on his lilo, <laughs> on his swimming pool. Doing a thumbs up, and I went, oh, that's sad. He should be there. But you know what? Life's not that bad. <laughs> and also, Dupont's done enough. He's play- He gets a medal, no matter what. As in, like, they have to earn a medal. But, like, if France were to win the World Cup without him... Oh, sure. He still gets given a medal. Entomac won't get a medal. Yeah, that's true. Caleb Muntz won't get a medal. You know? Yeah. I won't get a medal. No. I won't get a medal. And none of us have a pool. No. Yeah. Right, let's um, look into this game a little bit, because obviously Eddie did the 80 minutes in two minutes, pretty much nailed that. Um, Let's have a look at the Italy-Uruguay game, because I know we want to look ahead, obviously, to the New Zealand game. And this episode, we're going to keep it short, but it is essentially kind of quickly looking over what Italy did against Uruguay and looking forward to how they go on to beat New Zealand with all that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's use the old platitude first. It was certainly a game of two halves, wasn't it? Very good. Very good. Coach was very angry. I was very worried at the end of the first half. Eddie, you were not. No, I think it was the pints. At Scholars. <laughs> Scholars Bar will get you like that. It will. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was I was very optimistic all the way through. But I'll tell you why. Because the beginning... Italy scored. They looked like they were throwing some stuff around. They were playing rugby probably in the wrong places. Some things weren't going their way. They were being turned over way too much. Right, but then when yeah. they went down to 13 men and then everyone was like, you know, on TV, it was, oh, this is a disaster. This is a disaster. You know, or can Uruguay win this? Oh, Italy are sort of collapsing was the sort of narrative going around. And that couldn't be further from the truth. They say in international rugby that a yellow card costs you 10 points. Italy went down to 13 men. That should cost them 20 points. And they went in 10 points behind, which means when they were down to 13 men, and bear in mind, seven of those points were from a penalty try getting one of the yellow cards. Yes. Italy overperformed with 13 men. And then it was only a matter of time before they were back up to 15. And then you knew when they were back up to 15, they'd be able to keep firing. And also, they didn't lose Tweedledum and Tweedledee. 
not that you'd find Tweedledum and Tweedledee in this Italian squad because they are good, but they lost a massive second row and one of the best loose heads around. So yeah. to survive without them that well, really impressive. Yeah, no, no, it was. Um, and I wonder as well, a lot of people might question, oh, well, did Italy get lucky at the beginning of the second half with their, the yellow that Uruguay got? Um, did that sort of give them the momentum to go on to to win? I think it was coming regardless of that yellow card. Obviously, we'll never know, but it felt like, you know, they came out for that second half, regardless of whether it was 14 men they were playing against or 15, they would have done what they did. I think whatever the score going in was, and let's not forget, Uruguay missed a couple of easy kicks as well. So they could have been further ahead at the end of the first half. But Italy were going to beat them no matter what the score was. That, that That's what I saw. A team that was absolutely on fire. And yes, they had their luck. Almost the opposite of Fijian luck against Wales, where you could probably... There were people all over the world in pubs probably arguing that Lorenzo Pani's try wasn't a try because he didn't have downward pressure. They would be wrong. But I could see that argument being made quite convincingly. Lorenzo Canone's try, I could see people saying that he knocked it on quite convincingly, even though it went backwards. Lamaro's try, potentially that was knocked on. Looking over them all, though, I, I would agree. It's sort of in the pub, you have a moment. Panny, when we saw it in the pub, I was like, mm, I probably wouldn't give it. But then obviously we watched the game back on the plane, coach, um, a good thing that ITV do. I'm sponsoring ITV. If you get ITVX, you can download the game. So we watched it on the plane. Yeah. It's actually yeah. the nice. only good thing that ITV do because <laughs> ITVX is the worst system. It's the Stone Age. But being able to download it yeah. is very useful. You can't, re you can't rewind live TV, but you can download programs afterwards. Anyway. No, and never click. If you, if you get it late, never click watch from the start. Because what ITV do is when the show ends, it cuts away. So even if you're only halfway through because you joined it late, but you clicked what's from the beginning, when your show ends, ITV will jump to the next show. So you'll be 60 minutes in or something, and then suddenly you're watching Dan Busters. <laughs> Consumer advice, everybody. <laughs> So, yeah, sorry. So what my point was that watching it back properly, not in a sort of rowdy pub with no commentary, um, to me, they were all tries. And I know, yeah. obviously, well, I think they were biased, but they were. Well, no, I think they were. And um, also, I think there's an argument to say that Uruguay, for me, I know, Ellie, you disagree with me. I think Uruguay's yellow card was pretty tough for me because what I saw was Lorenzo Pani significantly dipping mm -hmm. and almost headbutting that man's shoulder. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with I that. Get that. I get he was upright, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But when he lined up that tackle, he was well and truly within the limits of where he can legally hit. And then yeah. suddenly this guy ducks down like a, like a, let me think of a, a, a language to paint it to the listener, like a, like a butting rhinoceros. Very good. It's a la, a la Claire Thomas who uses wonderful adjectives in her commentary. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes, fine. Decisions, decisions. They weren't sort of game-making decisions at the end of the day, as you say. We know, we believe Italy would have won that without that yellow card um, for Uruguay at the beginning of the second half. So, But there were a couple of serious issues, yellow cards aside, Italy do have one big issue that they need to sort out ahead of New Zealand in, what, a couple of days' time. Um, and that big one that stands out is obviously the breakdown. Yeah. 
Yeah. Italy have an amazing back row, but they were way too easily turned over. So my Uruguay. question is, were Uruguay incredible or were we really shit at protecting that ball? Well, they, well, they had, what's his name? We've got his name somewhere. Who was a turnover machine. Manuel Ardao. So I think, you know, you do get turned over. These things do happen. You need to be alert to it. The issue is that against the All Blacks, if you get turned over and you give away a penalty, well, then you're double punished because they'll kick it to touch further. Their line out will be better. Their maul will be stronger. They'll convert so many more into points against you. So Italy need to be really switched on because Sergio Parise said it as well. And he knows more about rugby than I do. But he said if he was New Zealand, he'd be looking at that game going, right, we're going to target Italy at the breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. But so my question is, were we just off our game or was Manuel Ardao the flanker for Uruguay who got six turnovers in that game? Just a machine. Yeah, we were off our game, but we couldn't adapt. That's what makes a good team. Yeah, because we knew we were at half time. These turnovers, I mean, there must have been about five turnovers by half time. So at that point, you know, Kieran Crowley, alongside everything else, is saying, guys, sort that the hell out. And they didn't. They still yeah. kept getting turned over. Well, That's if you're why. insisting on playing really running rugby as often as they do and from wherever, and they changed that in the second half and played more territory in the second half. But if you're insisting in running it from anywhere, then you're going to have your six, your seven, your eight, you know, your your second rows. They've got them. They've peppered around the back line. You know, they're your dummy runners. They're your crash balls. They're all out there to receive the ball. And it limits the amount of people you actually have doing the the unattractive grit around the, the breakdown. It's tough because you want quick ball. You want to use these big runners. So you need the runners outside. But then ironically, to have quick ball, you need those guys, instead of being runners, you need them at the ruck securing your really quick ball. So it's it's a balancing act. And Italy in the first half didn't get it right. In the second yeah. half, I think they probably did get it right. But they're sure as hell going to have to get it right in their final two pool games. Yeah. And again, not just at the breakdown, but if we keep trying to run everything from everywhere, especially alongside breakdowns. I wrote down restart, restart, restart. The number of messed up restarts that happened again in this game against a better team, a team like New Zealand, a team like France, that's it. They'll turn those into points. They'll either kick for the sticks. They'll either go for the line out. It's yeah, we've got to sort out the restarts and we've got to stop running it from absolutely everywhere every single time yeah it's got to be unpredictable when you run from your own half as opposed to predictable because they're doing it every time yeah if it's predictable then you're in a world of trouble yeah they slip back into their ways a little bit you know when they played romania a while back Hmm. they were running it from everywhere they didn't do it so much this time but you know, it was in um, the first half. They they tried, yeah. I think again, yeah. maybe that came from a sense of comfort after getting that first try, Panny's first try, relatively early on, and they thought like, okay, right, let's go have some fun. And obviously, as you know, our interview with Monty, he said that Kieran's always encouraging them to have fun um, and play and and go out there and try stuff. But there just needs to be a little bit more care um, and. As Tom Shanklin, the other commentator, said, they yep. just need to 
do the basics sometimes. Just get on with the basics and restarts. It's about exiting. So just get that done. Yeah. And as Jamie Roberts said, they've got some of the most attacking rugby in the world, Italy right now. They do. Monty said it on our podcast as well. They have some of the most attacking rugby in the world, but they need to be on the front foot to do that. It's hard to be playing that attacking rugby if you're not going forward. Yes. And And I think that's exactly, I think you've sort of mishmashed what he said, but essentially I think I wrote down his quote. He said, on the front foot, Italy are one of the best attacking sides in world rugby. On the back foot, that's a problem because they're chasing and it's tricky. Yeah, but it's an easy fix. Stop bloody doing it. I know, but we've been saying this for weeks. It doesn't mean you've got to be all Welsh about it and like, but we have Box, been saying this for a and while. Be boring. It, it, there's, there's, a, there's the middle ground, which is, you know, anything past our own ten meter line, we will run <laughs> and have a crack. But anything our side of the trial, our side of that line, we try and exit properly. Yeah, yeah. Look, I thought overall Italy were always in control of that game. Eddie sort of disagreed with me, but I think up until that um, Lamaro pass out that got intercepted, which was around, what, 25 minutes in, even though territory-wise it might not have been so, it felt like Italy were comfortable. Italy had the game under control. They had the opposition under control. Obviously, yeah, I don't blame Lamaro for everything that happened between sort of 25 and 40 minutes, but I do think that was the turning point in the first half. Where yeah, things... I don't. I don't think we have to blame anyone, but it was a it was a massive cock up. It was a huge cock up because he threw a pass that wasn't on. It was intercepted. From that, immediately, Italy are on their own try line, defending for their lives. They immediately have a second row sent to the bin, and then a minute and a half later, they have a prop sent to the bin, and they've given away seven points. So. That pass put so much pressure on them that they sent two people off and conceded a penalty try. Yeah. In hindsight, it almost would have been better if Tommaso Allen didn't do such a good job to get back and they put it down in the corner. I thought that. I actually thought that watching it back. I was like, oh. Originally, obviously, when we didn't know what was going to happen the first time we watched it, I was like, oh, great, they got back. And the intercepted, um, uh, the interception was, was, was shut down. But then everything that resulted from that was way worse than if they just run in and scored in the corner. Yeah. And then, you know, after that, they were down to 13 men. Ivan Neymar um, Mm. did a late tackle when Italy had a penalty advantage and then the penalty was reversed. That Mm. didn't help them. Um, (laughs) The Uruguayan scrum half was so angry with them. And it went on for the entire game, even after the game. I mean, those two are not being invited to each other's weddings. Even though Neva, I mean, Neva was doing that cheeky, like, smile and, like, shake my hand and we're all good, like, you know, afterwards. But it was, like, that kind of cocky. It it was schoolyard tactics. It was a piece of shit smile. Yeah, yeah. He knew what he did. If anyone speaks Spanish um, and could translate, I was trying really hard, but I couldn't really get it with the with the minimal amount that I could hear uh what what that was all about and what they were saying to each other please let us know because yeah um, that's the at gossip. the end after the game they close up on those two and you can hear the Spanish but that's know. the gossip I want and there was also a penalty given away by Tommaso Allen which was just purely down to having 13 men on the pitch because again he was covering wonderfully but he did a seatbelt tackle 
he wouldn't normally do a seatbelt tackle because that wouldn't normally be his man. A winger would be there to cover it. But he had to charge across and try his best to tackle someone. So that's two penalties, one out of stupidity, but one out of pure necessity of playing with 13 13 players. They they were under pressure, obviously, with 13 players. They were under pressure. And as we said at the beginning, I think they actually held that pressure pretty, pretty well. Lamaro, as we just said, we're not blaming him. But, you know, to... To do such an error and still come out man of the match, I think is says a lot because yeah. there were a couple of moments, right, where you just go, oh gosh, he's having a bit of a mare of a game. They looked at, I think, like a shoulder to the head of someone. It was an, it was clearly just an accident, but you're just like, oh God. Um, and then he well, came no, that away. Was, that was Sebastian Negri. No, no. In the second half, Lamaro did another thing where he. Oh no, maybe it's head on head as he's no, coming yeah, up from a. That, but it's not was, anything. That was he was he was over a ruck, and the Uruguayan scrum half again, always in the middle of it, um, <laughs> went down to pick the ball up and head butted the back of Lamaro's head. So it's not foul play. And to be fair to the Uruguayan scrum half, I don't think he was milking it. I think he just broke his nose again. Some of the other Italy players, I don't know if anyone caught this, were like saying, oh my God, get on with it to the the, the Uruguayan scrum half. And you could see, I'm, I lip read this because I couldn't hear the commentary, but Lamoro was just like, whoa, guys, to his own teammates, like, calm down. He's hurt himself. It would That, that would have really been painful. He's essentially got himself head-butted on the bridge of his nose. Both eyes watering, numb pain. Ugh. Eddie turned around to me. He was like, have you ever been head-butted? I was like, no, of course I haven't been head-butted. I don't know how that feels. <laughs> have you been head-butted, Eddie? Now's not the time or the place. <laughs> I thought I'd remember that. Have you, coach? <laughs> uh, no. Someone's tried. But no. Someone's tried. Thank no, I've never been. I've never been sort of like a Guy Ritchie film headbutted. <laughs> no, I have been accidentally headbutted, similar to what happened. Fine, in this okay, and I'm sure it hurts. Yeah, fine. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, um, for him to get man of the match, well done him. He's a real. I think he did a brilliant job captaining that team. I don't know if anyone saw the clip of um that I think it was World Rugby put on Instagram of like the way that Italy are like pre-game hyping themselves up for it. It was so inspiring. I could just, uh, yeah, it's all of them in a huddle talking to each other and Amara sort of gassing everyone up. And by the end of it, everyone's raging, ready to go. But then in the game to like keep people calm, to keep the focus, to keep things going. And Lamaro's first try for Italy. That's a really surprising stat. Isn't that a surprising mm. stat? Italy captain. 31 caps, 31 caps in his first try. Well, I think it's because he does so much for the team. We just assume he's scoring. Yeah. But it, he's doing other things that are you know, just as important. But yeah, I do, I, I was a, that is a strange stat. Yeah. Yeah, he's not normally a, a huge sort of ball carrier in the way Negri is. But you're right, he's doing everything else around the park, all the unseen stuff he's there. Yeah. Claire Thomas said, you will not see a more celebrated try in all of Italy. And granted, we were all like, oh my God, it was his first try. That's great. But I'd probably question that because I, I definitely Was she not in Cardiff in 2022? <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find that was quite a celebrated try. And that probably will be the most celebrated try in Italian history until they beat the All Blacks on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. I cried in that game against Wales. Um, I did not cry for Lamaro's first try, but next week 
Who knows? Who knows? It's a big ask. It's a huge ask, but it's it's there for the taking. Italy couldn't have asked for any more. Scotland and Ireland in the warm-up matches, they're warm-up matches. Who cares? A win would have been nice. But then beat Romania, beat Japan, then you're actually into the World Cup. You get the bonus point against Namibia. You get the bonus point against Uruguay. You go top of the group. You haven't lost for over a month. Yeah. Four wins on the trot, going up against the All Blacks, who know if they lose, they're out. And if I I should mention, no injuries. No injuries. All of this. Oh, sorry. Apart from, no, we should mention Luca Bigi, who's now out of the World Cup because he has injured himself. And Manfredi, I just read this today, has been called in. So there is an injury. There is an injury. But that injury wasn't from the Uruguay game. That was a training injury, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was due to start or come on for the Uruguay game. And then last minute, um, they they pulled him. Yeah. So Luca Bigi, sorry for him. He'll get a medal. He'll get a medal. (laughs) (laughs) So just go relax on your lilo, on the pool. The medal will get sent to you, Luca. Well, actually, I think unless you win the tournament or get to the final, you've already got your medal because you get a medal of participation. Oh, right. So he will actually already have his medal on him. Tommaso Allen at 10. Hasn't missed a kick again. Amazing. So that makes him 14 from 14. 100%. 100% of his kicks in the World Cup so far. Amazing. He made a break that was superb. He Amazing. got a bloody charge down. Amazing. Right? Talk about Italy playing in the rugby in the right areas. We were talking about Italy kicking it. He did the opposite where he stopped Uruguay from kicking it and charged it down. The man is on fire. He's on fire. And Garbizi at 12, I thought both of them together, really exciting, really great attacking threats. Yeah, kind of leading the team. And then they pulled off Tommy and then put Garbizi at 10 and then put Adogwu, Palo Adogwu, in at 12. And that worked as well. So there are lots of options they've got. Yeah. Um, Alessandro Garbisi, I thought, was good in, at running rugby. Um, I'm still slightly concerned about his scrum half basics, his passing, but more importantly, his box kicking. I know Kieran Crowley doesn't really like box kicking, but Garbisi Jr. doesn't really box kick very well. And he knocked on the ball at one or two bases of rucks. A couple of times, yeah. Um, I mean, he's still good. He had a good game. I, I still think he had a good yeah. game, but that, that would be why I would be thinking about. Fusco came on. Fusco's electric. Fusco was fire, I thought. I thought he was great. I would start Fusco yeah. quite happily, I think. It's actually a bit of a headache picking the team to play the All Blacks, who you put at nine. It's not an easy decision at all. Obviously, life is made easier if you have a DuPont or a Fafter clerk or someone who is head and shoulders above everyone else. But they've got is a very competitive position for Italy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's I suppose, good because about a year ago we were kind of going, God, we have no scrum halves, like, right? It felt very like, ugh, Varney wasn't playing at his best. Well, he was hot and cold, right? He could be amazing or he could not be. It was just a little bit like, mm, where do we go from here? Obviously, Braley had just announced he wasn't playing anymore. Like, it was iffy. But I think Pedrello, Fusco... Baby Gobbiesi as well, and obviously Vaughn. Like, it, you know, there's there's stuff happening there, um, and it's positive movement. Always, I'd say, on the up. Um, obviously, they're not Dupont. Obviously, they're not Fav. But but you know who hasn't got Dupont? <laughs> France. 
<laughs> no one has DuPont. No one has DuPont. A&E has DuPont. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think something that sort of sums up how well Italy did in that second half, one penalty in the second half. Yeah, gave away one penalty. I mean, that for me is fire. And in the first half, Italy had less territory than Uruguay. Not unexpected when you go down to 13 men. But in the last 10 minutes of the game, Italy had 92% of the territory. Yes, which again, I, I want a tiny question that because for the last 10 minutes, there were also no points scored. So is that another example of Italy just not being able to convert in those last 10 minutes? Because all the pressure was honestly, they had a million opportunities and they didn't score. Yeah, I'm not overly concerned by that. I'm not concerned. I was just going to put it out there because obviously over the Six Nations, we had that repeated thing of, oh, there was the pressure and we came back in those last 10 minutes, but they couldn't score. But yeah, hopefully it was just a case of they did all their scoring earlier on. Yeah. I mean, at the end, you know, Garbisi went for a drop goal and things. So they were, I think, experimenting a bit towards the end. And as usual, a shout out um, again off the bench. Solid, solid, solid. But Zuliani, nicknamed the Kraken by Carver Rugby. What a machine. Turnovers are plenty. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of uh, ben uh, Benetton players. Well, actually, most of them do play for Benetton. So I could say that. But plenty of players in this side that can turn over the ball well. Yeah. So bring it on. Yeah, yeah. Bring it on New Zealand. Bring it on. It's not them turning over the ball that's the problem. It's them having the ball turned over that is the problem. Yes. Right. So let's sort that out. But anyway, that is that. One more special special shout out to Pettinelli standing on the uh, in the middle of the pitch when Italy were trying to score. Love that. It was like he was waiting for a train. <laughs> Just looking at what time's my train? Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of an international rugby match. It's great. <laughs> Loved it. And then just kind of jumped to the side as if like no one would notice that he basically. He didn't even apologise. Like... <laughs> he didn't even apologise. He just was like, yeah. I think, this is where I, live. I think you can kind of see Monty going like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and the Uruguayan dude. Petinelli was so lucky that actually that ball was over kicked and that no one was going to get it. Otherwise, yeah. it would have been a mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The ref was like, well, I can't reward them for, like, I can't be like, oh, they might have scored if he wasn't there because he was an Italy player. So it's got to be a, draw, a 22 dropout. <laughs> yeah. He won't make that mistake again. No. What made Coach mad? Well, all my closest friends were in Rome <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> It wasn't just you, there was another friend as well. And uh, I was extremely jealous. And none of them invited you. Well, you know, I know you're all busy and I, my friend had other, other plans that weekend. He got engaged. So congratulations <laughs> to Tommy Atty. Um, Are you waiting for a best man invite? Potentially. So I could come out of retirement, be the best man again. You know what? What's his name? Tommy. Yeah. Tommy, if you're going to ask Coach to be your best man, can I please invite you to do so via the podcast? Because nothing would make me happier <laughs> than seeing Eddie's face when another person asks you to be their best man. I would love that. But yeah, it was, just, it was a very first world problem. So yeah, that, that's what it didn't make me mad. It made me lukewarm, irritable. <laughs> uh, but. We did also, yeah. we did, we did then, once we realised that obviously, you know, you were a bit upset about this, we did then 
bait you a little bit. I mean, we met some really lovely Irish people in a pub. <laughs> yeah, Scholars Bar. No, this was at the Abbey Theatre, which you actually recommended. Um... I, just want to, I just want to clarify to you, we're called Spritz and Scrums. We drink a lot of spritz and we love to hang out on a piazza. But because the World Cup was on, I forced Ellie to go to more Irish pubs than we would normally do. Ellie's from Rome, went to school in Rome. She doesn't see the need to go to Irish pubs, but I love an Irish pub abroad. And so this was my opportunity and we made lots of friends and we don't even need coach anymore. Uh, I, I hated <laughs> every minute of it. So well, I did it out of... She didn't hate it. She's just pretending to be a snob. <laughs> Scholars Bar will get you like that. He got really angry at me because I was just drinking fizzy water and juice. And he was like, who orders juice in an Irish pub? Well, people do, but you were doing it out of a sort of sense of looking down your nose at people ordering their Guinness Blacks. No, I lie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was wonderful. It was great. But I, I feel like we didn't do enough rooftops and we did too many pubs this time. So back to the spritz next time. It's a balance. Life's a balance. Life's a balance. We missed you, Coach. We missed you. Thank you. But didn't solve the problem, but yeah. <laughs> and that's what made Coach mad this week. Right, well, that's it, guys. Next, The next time you'll be hearing from us will be uh, after the New Zealand game. When Italy have guaranteed their place in the quarterfinal. For the first time in history. <laughs> Before that, like and subscribe. <laughs> Follow us on YouTube. I've learned editing. So yeah, go to, go to we now YouTube. have a YouTube channel. So we've give got us YouTube, a we've got Instagram, we've got Twitter. Yeah. We have it all. We have it all. Um, we just need to know how to use it all, but but it's coming. We have hats. We have I don't have a hat. Palo Adogu's got my hat. It's now his hat. One day we'll start selling merch, but step by step, guys, step by step. Right, coach, what is your advice to the Italy squad ahead of this New Zealand game? Let's wrap this up. You've got one bit of advice. What's it going to be? Get up for it. Make your tackles count. Make your tackles count. And uh, play the territory game. And you should be fine. Nice. Did you start by saying get up for it as in like wake up, set your alarm? <laughs> no, as in the uh, colloquial way of saying pump yourself up. Pump, get pumped up. Just do it, as Nike would say. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Forget about who it is and just go and smash them. I agree. And I think they I think they have. I think they will. I will think they will forget about who it is. I think they will just go out and do it. But they need to work on the breakdown. That's my advice. Eddie, yours? Don't want to sound too much like a hippie, but enjoy it. And you'll enjoy it more if you're pumped up and you're focused and you're in the zone because going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the All Blacks at a World Cup is an absolute dream. And to enjoy all 80 minutes, you've got to be in it for 80 minutes. Yeah. And as Monty said, and we said to him, it's all about playing with a smile on your face. You play the best rugby when you're playing with a smile on your face. Or a grimace. Absolutely. And anyone that hasn't listened to that podcast, Monty Ione, he was on here last week. Do go listen to that. He's a superstar. And then like all our social media stuff. Yeah, please do. And play with a smile on your face. But also, they didn't get a chance to play New Zealand at the last World Cup because they drew against New Zealand due to a typhoon. So this is an opportunity that they unfortunately didn't get the chance to, to take four years ago. So take this one and love it. And the difference is four years ago, after the South Africa game, 
which is affectionately called Murder of South African after the most ridiculous <laughs> red card. Italy versus New Zealand was a very, very different prospect to this Italy team Yeah. versus New Zealand. We've said it before, we'll say it again. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be these guys. So let's go do it. Yeah. Right. Arrivederci. Ciao. Thanks for listening, guys. Please rate us five stars as usual. Like and subscribe. Ciao. Ciao a tutti.